three, two, one. You are listening to the D-Bad Movement. Here we are for the Don't Be a Dickhead podcast, episode 17. Mm. I'm John Gilbert. I'm Ian Thompson, sorry. I'm Alex King. I was too busy doing a sound effect. Uh. What was the sound effect? Like when you said episode 17, I went boom. I didn't hear that. Like did, it, did a bit of a bass drop. Oh. Well, a, a really oh. pathetic one, but a bass drop all the same. Well, well, hopefully that'll come out in the edit. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe you'll, if it does sound pathetic, maybe Ian will be like, oh, I'll edit this one. And he's just going to put like a special effect over yeah. I'm going to be like, wow, he just did that off the cuff. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Excellent. Well, I mean, on the back of this really smooth intro, should we just go straight into the topic? Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about dogs. Woof, woof. Man's best friend. Yeah. A little nod there to the patriarchy. Check out our episode on sexism. Um, but yeah, lovely, lovely dogs. Yeah. We've all, we've, all, we've all had or got dogs, haven't we? Yes. Love dogs. Yeah. My dog is famous. He, he was interviewed on Radio Humberside once. Well, he wasn't, I was. Aww. He actually slept through the entire interview because it was at about like seven o'clock in the morning or something. He wasn't interested in getting up. But it was a few days after he jumped out of the window. But he jumped, like not out of the window, he jumped through the window of, the, the, oh my, of my bedroom the, on the first floor of my house. So what used to happen is whenever I used to go out, Totem didn't like it. And so he'd always run upstairs to the bedroom and he would jump up at the window and bark at me as I left. And what I didn't want to do is, because once he got up the first flight of stairs and cornered to the second flight, there was just a straight line between the window and the uh, stairs. So I didn't want him to run up and like jump up at the window and smash it. So what I used to do is leave my bedroom door only just ajar. So he had to slow down at the door, push it open, and then he could go again. And then that'd, that'd break his speed a bit. But this one day I'd forgotten to do that. So I said bye to him, gave him a little kiss and a little bit of food. And then I left the house and I could hear him bark and I heard him run up the stairs. And then just after I'd locked the door, I turned round and there was an almighty smash. And I like closed my eyes and, and braced myself to be rained down on by glass. And I was. And then I sort of opened my eyes, looked up, expecting to see Totem looking a bit coy out of the window, and he wasn't there. I looked down, he's just stood next to me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and he'd flown out of the window, and he'd cut his, his arm, uh, his forearm, and, uh, and so I let him back in, and he ran straight upstairs and jumped into the bath, which was good because he didn't get blood all over the carpet. So that, that was good. Um, he avoided all carpets, went straight upstairs, and, uh, and sat in the bath, and... And we got him, we took him to the vets and got him sorted out. He did have a little bit of a poo on the way down. When I was cleaning up the glass, I saw that he'd, he'd, he'd had a little <laughs> bit of a poo on the way down. That's, that's fine. None of it went on me. And, I mean, it would have been scary for him. How, anyway, a child opposite saw Totem. And a few days later, Totem got a knock on the door. And I went, went to the door. And there was a dad there with his little, like, five, six-year-old boy. And the dad said is this where the flying dog lives? And I said, oh, yes, it is. And he said, my son really wanted to meet him. So Aww. I said, all oh, right, OK, well, I'll go and get him then. So Totem had to walk out. <laughs> Totem had a massive pink bandage. It was like cerise pink bandage on his forearm nice. that he was very proud of at this point. And so I brought Totem out to meet the child, and the child was over the moon. One of my friends works on Radio Humberside, and I'd, I was telling him the story, and he said, well, that's wonderful. Let's get him on, on air. 
So then we were interviewed <laughs> about it. Oh, the flying dog. Do you know, I've got a story about a flying dog. My old dog Satch, he was just off his nut. It was crazy. And Calvert Lane Bridge, which is no longer there, I don't know how high it was. It was a, it's fair, a railway it was bridge. A, isn't it was it? a railway bridge, and you yeah. used to be able to walk over it because it was overgrown, and you could walk. Mm your dog on there so yeah my dad was walking him and he must have saw a bed or he must have something must have caught his eye so Satch actually jumped off the bridge wow. onto and I don't know if you remember the um the paths on either side of the road underneath the bridge were really tiny so somehow he managed to actually land on the path like so obviously not on the road yeah. so my dad looked down he was like starfished on the floor like his front paws was at the front and literally like it could should have died really so my dad runs down and then by the time he gets down satch has actually made his way to the other side of the road without getting hit by a car like a little bit dazed and um yeah he literally all he had was a little graze on his chin and luckily a woman that was passing took him to the vets but yeah he literally jumped off Calvert Lane Bridge and all he managed to get was a little graze on his chin I'd say that's like eight or nine meters yeah it was it was a high bridge yeah yeah imagine if you was the car like a car going underneath and you just saw the dog jumping off yeah. the bridge yeah yeah so who's got the better stunt dog Satch went further but then Totem yeah. did go through did go through a plate glass window as well both quite tough nuts really I don't know whether you see I was looking up but I imagine Totem did a commander role when he, like a safety role when he landed. Yeah. Whereas Satch just like starfish, which wasn't very cool. Yeah. That was graceful, my face. <laughs> <laughs> Totem and Hatch. Totem and Hatch. I hope they're up yeah. there playing together. Yeah, kind of crazy adventures. <laughs> So you two clearly are dog lovers, yeah. and this is one of the blind spots that I think that dog lovers have here, is that that was reckless dickheadery by those dogs. <laughs> was. It, it gets retold as, oh, cute dogs, aren't they lovable? So he smashed through your window, <laughs> you, yeah. right? I mean, we wouldn't be happy if a child did that. Totem wouldn't go near the window for ages. Oh. Oh. See, so I just did it then. He was a very good boy. He was. Was he? Yes. He leapt through a window. I mean, I have got a lot of other stories about him being a dickhead, but he was a very good boy. He was a very mild-mannered young man. He <laughs> oh, sounds like he um, he missed you, but I mean, I can understand now the level of entertainment that you give your neighbours through dogs jumping through windows yeah. and gentlemen callers being evicted in the middle of the night. Yeah. That, um, that's why they love you quite so much. Yeah. Earthquake commentator. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> A lot really. So I had a dog and she was called Lucy. And Lucy was lovely, obsessed with fetching a ball and so on. But Lucy did have a bit of a dickheadery in that she was lovely, but she did occasionally have a bit of a mean streak to her. If you laid on the ground, she just went mental and bit you in the head. And I don't know if something had happened to her when she was younger because we were not the first family that she'd lived with, but she just mm. switched just like that. And I do remember uh, another act of dickheadery from Lucy's part. My brother got locked out one night. She slept in a like an outbuilding that we had um, and he couldn't get back in the house. So he went to sleep with Lucy and maybe a bit of a callback to one of our recent episodes about sleep. So Mike attempted to borrow some of Lucy's blanket to keep him warm during that. She wasn't having that. She just bit him in the head. She's just like, that's mine. This is my domain at night. <laughs> You're just going to be cold. Aww. Poorly dressed human. I can't remember whether I've told the story on this podcast before, or maybe on a drunk one or something. However, here's the story. Our friend George once, he'd been on a night out and they used to have a dog. It was a Labradoodle. It was quite a big dog. It was really, really nice. And he used to sleep 
in a large cage in the hallway. It's quite a large hallway. And the, the cage wasn't locked or anything. It was just open. He could come and go as he pleased, but it's just where he liked to sleep. Mm. And George, one night, he'd come home drunk. And his dad, who told me the story, he said he'd heard him come in at like, you know, three in the morning or something. And he'd like briefly woken up and then just sort of thought, oh, George is back, that's good, and gone back to sleep. And then uh, he woke again a little bit later and he thought, like, I haven't heard George come upstairs to bed. I might as well check see if he's all right. And so uh, his dad went to the top of the stairs and peered down into the hallway and he said all he saw was George there in just his underwear curled up outside Paddy's cage. <laughs> and and the only bit that <laughs> the only bit that Gary heard was George saying to Paddy, Oh Paddy, I've made so many mistakes. <laughs> and uh, at which point Gary decided to go up to bed because he didn't want to hear about these mistakes. But yeah, he, he, he awoke to find his son having a therapy session oh. with the dog at about four in the morning in his underpants. <laughs> this might be the next stage of evolution for, for dogs. So, so dogs and humans have got a special relationship. So when they date back and say the first domestication of dogs, evidence they found in the Siberian mountains about 33,000 years ago, uh, and in different continents, we've, we've all had this relationship with dogs, which has gone at different states. But I think it's really interesting about how dogs' behaviour has really just evolved to suck up to humans and to trick us into liking them. I understand that the whole like puppy dog eye thing and the muscles has changed to make a dog look sad so that when they do something naughty, we don't want to punish them. They're, they're just they're manipulating us. And it us. works. Yeah. And is that fine? Yeah. Fine with me. I don't mind being manipulated by dogs. Yeah, I don't mind. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, there's a few theories on this, but I think the most commonly held one is that... So we had humans and we had wolves. Now, when they teamed up, neither was top of the food chain at that point. We had saber-toothed tigers and other things. So, But I don't know whether the wolves saw the potential in the humans. And it's just like, well, let's pick a side, let's pick that side. But the wolves realised that if they behaved like big, scary wolves and they were around humans and they were aggressive, that the humans would kill them because they had weapons by by this point, so they couldn't beat them. So wolves, it's believed, evolved, and, and dogs came from that, which were just friendly to humans. Right. So the humans initially would tolerate them by, well, this dog's okay because it, it's not a threat to me, kind of, it's there, and then became useful to them. So that if the humans were picking over the carcass from a hunt or something, the, the dogs would alert them to any oncoming danger. So let's say there was a saber-toothed tiger coming their way because they had better uh, sense of hearing and, and so so they were useful to the humans. So the humans would then keep them around. And in effect, wolves domesticated humans mm. because they had them around and they, they saw that they were useful. And also there's evidence of humans eating dogs as well. So I guess it was like, well, if we get really desperate, we've got this thing here that we know we can eat it. So perhaps that was even like where the idea of farming came along because, of course, we were hunter-gatherers before we were farmers. So, yeah, they've, they've, we've had a very special relationship with, with dogs over the years. And relatively recent years, when you talk about evolution, I mean, that's something that takes for millions of years, but we're talking, well, at, at most, 33,000 years of, of uh, how much we've influenced each other over time. So, yeah, mm. pretty close. That's really interesting. And so humans then became the dog's bitches. Yeah. <laughs> Well, arguably so, yeah. arguably so. On that, I once was walking in a park um, with Totem, and once we got into the park, I let Totem off his lead so he could go for a run, and he like ran just around the corner, which is where I was going to be walking anyway. So I, I walked along, looking at the ducks in the pond, thinking, you know, I'll, I'll keep that in mind for this evening. And <laughs> he 
That's, that was a previous episode, yeah. wasn't it? Forget right. <laughs> let me start again. No, no, no. Keep it in. Okay. Because it's just like, why is Ian thinking about ducks before bedtime? And then I heard Totem just start barking, not loads, just like the occasional bark and whatnot. And I thought, what's he doing? So I sped up slightly. I rounded the corner, and Totem was sat on the floor in front of this guy who was sat on a bench eating an ice cream. It was a nice summer's day. And uh, before I could like shout Totem or anything like that. The guy, clearly, who'd suffered enough bullying at the hands of Totem, just like, oh, fine, and just gave him his ice cream. <laughs> Totem had run round the corner and bullied the nearest man out Aww. of his ice cream. Uh, that was one of my stories about Totem being a dickhead. Just taking a complete advantage. <laughs> I mean, albeit I found it hilarious, but um, I didn't let the man know that, or Totem. <laughs> Totem, Totem got told that was naughty, and the man got an apology, and I offered to buy him another ice cream, which he didn't want. He just Aww. said, no, no, it's fine. Let Totem have his ice cream. That's, that's cute. There we go. Well, because dogs are used, weaponised as well. So they, they are, I mean, I'm not saying it's necessarily dickheadery on the dog's part, but yeah, like the police dog and so on, they like basically drill the personality out of them. Yeah. Yeah, because that's the thing as well, yeah. like uh, misconceptions about certain dog breeds. And I think it's, you can kind of understand it because I think, well, Lexi, she is crossed with a Staffy. And I think a lot of people have a misconception about that breed because of maybe some people do have them for the wrong reasons and because they are used for dog fighting and things like that. And it really makes me really yeah. sad because sometimes I'll notice because she does have the staffy look that maybe people are quite wary of her, even though I know she's like the most lovely natured dog. I think it is very common to sort of have these misconceptions about certain dog breeds, which makes me sad. Are they misconceptions? I mean, aren't some dogs like racist and things? What do you mean? Totem did used to Totem did used to, to bark at, at black people more than anyone else. Oh, Totem. Yeah, Totem was black himself. It's like that <laughs> that woman, the black woman who wanted to be the leader of the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, th- this is the, the dickheadery is what humans do to our close ally of the dog at times isn't it but i do think it goes the other way around i'm coming back to this point about like the dogs are manipulating us humans sally had a pair of dogs honey and daisy they were great they were i don't know what the mongrel mixed breed something or other and honey was magnificent right my favorite dog daisy was a dickhead right she used to bully honey all of the time her worst kind or most frequent behavior was when we'd be playing ball honey and i daisy would like she'd kind of come bounding up like can i play guys kind of thing we're like yeah of course you can so you throw the ball for for daisy she'd take the ball up to honey so that honey could smell the ball and then she'd run off as far away as she can and hide the ball somewhere where we'd never find it again i mean i mean i guess she's showing her dominance but there are less dickheadery ways to do it, surely. Lexi does that. So you'll throw her the ball and she'll run after it and then not bring it back to you. She'll just stand with the balls that I've got to then go to the ball. Yeah, she's, she doesn't play fetch. She chases it, doesn't bring it back, which is dickheadery. It's exactly like Totem. As soon as it stopped moving, he was uninterested. And I often wondered whether it was just him playing fetch with me. Yeah. Because he'd run yeah. after it, leave it where it was, then I had to go and get it. I think there's something in that. It's not necessarily dickheadery in those situations. You think, is the dog doing something because it thinks you Maybe. like doing it? Yeah. I don't think that's what Daisy was doing. Mm. She knew what she was doing. She knew when she was in trouble, would do that other thing that dogs do where they just lift one of their paws up. Yeah. And like, oh, not me. Well, <laughs> me, I'm her. <laughs> so what's your attitude to dogs licking people's faces? Absolutely fine. That's fine with me. Really? Yeah. I'd never let it go in the mouth, like like Ian was saying earlier, off, off. Well, well, all right, like, wait, one minute. 
Let's just correct your hair. Like Ian was saying earlier. I wasn't advocating a dog tongue in someone's mouth. I was saying that that wasn't on. I was okay, basically sorry. agreeing with you. I've got the wrong end of the stick there. So just to clarify, you don't let dogs okay. lick the inside of your mouth. I have never let a dog okay. tongue me. No. Thanks for clarifying. <laughs> See, I don't like it. I, I had a really terrible experience of sleep paralysis once when I had fallen asleep on the sofa and a dog came up and took advantage <laughs> of me. And I just remember laid there, aware that this dog was licking me in the face and I couldn't move and I was just like When I think the dog thought that was the noise meant I was enjoying it. So it so was it, it a real dog? Long, so. Or do you mean like yeah. you were dreaming it? Yeah, it did actually happen. Yeah. It, I think it was it was honey or daisy, I can't remember which. Mm. Probably probably honey Aww. being affectionate. If it if, if it was Daisy she'd have she'd have done something she'd have taken my wallet or something. <laughs> she, she she'd have taken advantage of me in a different way. I don't think I'd just go and lay on the floor and just say, like, right, come on, lick my face. No. But, you know, if you're, like, there, you're talking to your dog, on a little stroke, you know, then and your dog just, like, licks your face. Yeah, that's no it's problem. lovely. One of the other acts of dickheadery associated to dogs that humans do is when they, they decide they can no longer look after the dog or they no longer want it. So our dog, Lucy, was had been given up. Uh, by a family who said, oh, we couldn't look after a dog anymore. However, um, I'll be careful who's listening to this because it's a relative. But after giving Lucy up, they then went and got another mm. dog, mm. which I thought was not on, really. Yeah. So we took the dog on. So this is when I live with my uh, parents in the family home. But then my parents emigrated, and the original plan was to take the dog with them, but then they've discovered they couldn't do that because... They just couldn't do it from from a travel perspective, so they were like, "Oh, well, we'll give the dog up." And I remember it, it really it really upset me because I didn't want to have a dog, but I was just like, "We're not just giving the dog away. We we can't do that." So my brother and I took the dog. Um, now that's this was like Lucy's maybe not the best period of her life because she was basically living on the set of Men Behaving Badly. Mm-hmm. Um, and we really were every single night. This this was our first time we'd lived without our parents, and it was just like every, we were partying every night. And she cheated her a bit with like molting her hair all over the place. And now one of the games that we would play, where friends came round, involved a football where we would kick a football around the living room, which might not sound very practical. But what we'd done with the football is we covered it with sticky tape and put yeah. the sticky bit on the outside so yeah. that anything that the football touched would catch the dog hairs, which it's we brilliant. thought was quite ingenious. Yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'm happy to say that we were able to rehome Lucy on, on a farm. So with a friend of a friend, this lady, she'd lost her border collie and she wanted to replace, but she didn't want her to get a puppy. Um, so it was perfect, really. And she and Lucy ended up living on all this space and this old lady who would be best friends with her and take her for walks around the fields Aww. all of the time. And it was it was quite a happy ending. Yeah. I don't think Lucy understood that, though. One of the most heartbreaking moments of my life is, like, rehoming your dog. And she put her in a cage, and Lucy was trying to bite through the bars. And it was like, I was as I was driving away, just watching it in my rearview mirror of this dog, just like, what are you doing? Why have you brought me here? But the good thing was that... The lady that she went to live with, she's quite a wealthy lady, she went on two big round-the-world holidays a year. So when she went on those holidays, we took Lucy back. And we, so we had a part-time dog. Yeah. That's nice. Uh, so two times, we'd have her for, say, three or four weeks. And I remember that we, we were talking about planning our holiday to make sure when the lady was going away, to make sure it didn't class. So we, we contacted her and we just said, oh, you see, when you're going away, we're, we're going to have Lucy. We want to make sure we're not clashing. She said, well, you don't need to. I was like, oh, you're not going away this year. No, no, she's dead. Oh. And it's like, she, 
did not. Nobody had thought God, to tell us. That's awful. And it was only when we rang up to try and organise our holiday plans that I'd found. Okay, albeit by this point my part-time dog, that my dog had died. Wow. It's nice mm. that she got rehomed to a farm, though. My friends did that with their dog and rehomed him to a farm, and it was a farm of of, of someone that they knew. It's like a dog's dream, isn't it? Yeah. And the dog had a whale that's of a time. Good. Yeah, had a whale of a mm. time on the on the farm. And these are real farms, not the. The dog's gone to the farm. No, no, these are real, <laughs> real farms. Okay, well, I think, I think what we've learned today is that dogs can be dickheads, humans can be dickheads, but we can modify our behaviour, and that's the whole point of the D-Bad movement. How are we going to teach dogs to be less, less of a dickhead? I feel like we've just got to accept it, we yeah. Just accept it. Isn't it it's funnier when dogs are dickheads? See, all the funny stories you have yeah. of dogs <laughs> are when they're acting like dickheads, so it'd be a shame for them not to. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Don't be a dickhead. Unless you're a dog. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I can see this is not a battle worth having yeah. with you, bro. <laughs> so we'll we'll sign off for there with with a, with a special sign off just for our canine friends. So remember, unless you are a dog, don't yeah, be, be a, a dickhead. dickhead. I am. Um, I didn't manage to fit in the story that I only remembered halfway through about when Totem stole a sandwich off a homeless guy. <laughs> it's not a particularly good story. It was just that was it. That's it basically. Just tell us it now. It was literally, I was stood outside Sainsbury's talking to someone, Totem was on his lead, um, and I was talking to this person, then all I heard was, Oi, what are you doing? <laughs> and I turned around, the homeless person sat there, Totem had gone up to him and stolen the sandwich out of his hand, <laughs> and it was all that this guy obviously had to eat, from, possibly for the whole day, oh. maybe for the whole week, and Totem was just there <laughs> making his way through the sandwich. Oh. Oh. That's not very Robin Hood of him. bought him yeah. another one. I did have to go and buy him yeah. another one. The Totem the homeless man. <laughs> No, the homeless man. Oh, yeah, I went and bought the homeless man another sandwich. Yeah, yeah. okay. And Turton for being a really good boy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was very good of you. I'm not sure the homeless guy would have found it funny if you'd have bought him a tin of dog food and said, <laughs> well, no, it's only a fair trade. Tip for tap there. <laughs>